0: Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Good morning, Church. I hope you've had a good week. If you've had a tough week, well done for tuning in because so often, even before lockdown, when you're going through a tough time so many of us struggle to come to church we just think i'll miss it this week you know we miss out and if you can just fight your emotions and fight that wrong thought don't come come and sit under god's word come and enjoy the worship and the worship lifts you and the word strengthens your resolve and and reminds you gives you perspective again that God is seated on the throne. Whatever is going on in your world has not rocked Him. He's in control, and you can come to Him, and He can give you wisdom to get through your situation, your circumstances. He can give you strength to keep going when you want to give up, and He can give you faith to help you keep believing when you lose faith in people and situations. And so, well done for tuning in this morning. If you've had a tough week, yourself a pat on the back. You know, I hope you're getting some some. Uh, help and strength and insights with this topic on when Jesus returns, his second coming. I want to get straight into it because last week we were looking at Jesus, why is he coming back? And he's coming back to complete the saints, he's coming back to convert the Jews because they rejected him. But you know what? God didn't reject them. God's not peevish. His heart is so big. And he didn't reject them. In fact, their rejection of him messed up a plan. But he's so good at replanning and weaving even our sin into his will. He is amazing. Ask Adam and Eve. They absolutely blew it. They had everything perfect and they absolutely blew it. And God had to start and weave a new plan in. And he's had to do it so many times because he's dealing with sinful, selfish human beings like you <laughs> and me. <laughs> so, God, is so big, his wisdom so vast. You know, you'll never out-use out it. You'll never, the stores are massive. And it's the same with his goodness and his grace, when we've blown it, that we can come back and receive reinstating from God, forgiveness and getting going again, justified, just as if you'd never sinned, cleaned up again, even though you've, you've messed up, God can take hold of your mess and bring a message to you and to people around you. He is so positive. I want to be like him, don't you? Jesus' is second coming is not coming back just to judge people and say, you're wrong, you're wrong, and, and and you're treating me bad and now I'm coming to get you. No, no, He's continuing the process and the plan that God had for mankind. And because it's been messed up, he wants to start all over again. But he's, he's in the process of selecting people and uh, if you want to be part of the selection just say yes to Jesus and you're selected it's so simple I wish people could get hold of this but he started a selection he wants people in eternity that want to be with him can you see what I'm saying so when people go oh, I don't believe in God I think it's a load of rubbish I'm not interested well when Jesus comes back he'll confirm that decision with him and say well you don't have to be that's it it's finished, it's over. He wants people, but, he, but he's not stupid. He wants people that are genuine. Yeah, not not just people that are like, yeah, 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 but then just live their own lives. But people that live in such a way that they're expecting him coming back. And and even though they don't see him, they behave in a way that reflects his word. And they treat people well. They put God first. Or they Or they, let me put it like this, they respect God. There's a complete respect and utter submission to his will and wanting his will and his ways. That's the type of person he's coming back for. You don't want the plastic ones. I'm not so sure the plastic ones will get in. I'm not. I don't want to be plastic fantastic. I want to be the real deal, don't you? But whites and all, not that I've got any, but whites and all, can you see what I'm saying? That we are just being ourselves and we're living out what God has worked in. Real people with, with real mistakes, real, you know, r- real challenges, but real obedience, real submission. Wow, I could preach on all this forever, but let me get into some teaching because when Jesus comes back, he's coming back to complete the saints and we're going to have new bodies and new minds. And, and you know, we're going to reign with him on this earth for a thousand years in anticipation of having a new heaven and a new earth. And I bet some of us, when we get round Jesus, will be saying, so what's the new heaven and the new earth like? (laughs) Just asking him, because after a thousand years, we won't be any older. We'll just be as vibrant and as young as we are. We'll all be about 30 years old, 33 years old. How do I know that? It's because the Bible says we'll be changed and we will be like him. And Jesus died in the prime of his life. So there's no old biddies in heaven, no little kids in heaven. Just, just. People in the prime of their life—it's going to be amazing. We're going to be transformed. So he's coming back to complete the saints, and he's coming back to convert the Jews. Let me just give you a few readings. You know, when when Jesus died on the cross, they put nails in his hands and his feet. And, you know, they crucified him on a cross. And Psalm 22—if you had to read Psalm 22—so many things in that psalm. It was written maybe. I don't know, about 800 years, maybe a 1,000 years before Jesus came to earth. But it it says so many things about what happens to a person when they're crucified. It's all written in Psalm 22 before crucifixion had been invented. uh, Psalm 22, verse 16 says, They have pierced my hands and my feet. And it's just amazing. These were things outside of Jesus' control. It's not like he saw the predictions in the Old Testament and thought, hmm, I'll go and fulfil them and get everybody to believe I'm the Messiah. Now these things were written long before even crucifixion was invented. But Zechariah, an interesting Old Testament prophet, he wrote, again, hundreds of years before Jesus came. He said, and what he said was shot right in. Well, it came right from the future into the present. He said, they will look on me, the one they have pierced. And mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves bitterly as a firstborn son or for a firstborn son, I should say. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. And then in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, he says, look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And that's in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation. And it's about how the Jews are going to see Jesus. When Jesus returns, they are going to look. He'll come to Jerusalem. We will be gathered up and meet Jesus in the air. And then the Jews will look and just say, this is what Zechariah wrote. And they will look on the one they have pierced. We won't know the pain that they feel. How they've mistreated Jesus. how uh, How they've misunderstood the scriptures even about Jesus. And they will become believers en masse as a nation. They will come back in their hordes. They will come back in multitudes of Jews saying, Jesus is the Messiah. And he's come back to convert the Jews. Even though they rejected him, he still had a plan and a purpose for their lives. And you know, maybe today I'm speaking to somebody and you've been backslidden and you know you have. And you've gone walk about, somebody upset you at church or whatever You know, something, it's usually small, but it gives us the excuse to walk away. And I'm speaking to somebody today. I want to say, God has not forgotten you. You've rejected him, you've took it out on him, what people have done to you. But it's time you matured. It's time you came back to the one who really loves you and surrender your life back to him. Get back on track because it's good for you. God has not rejected you. He still has a plan. And a purpose for your life. He said, but I've messed up. I've just absolutely stuffed it up. And just saying, you can't, not with God. He's too big. He's too bright. Come back to God. And let him continue the plan that he has for your life. All right. So he's coming back to convert the Jews. And they will rule and reign with him as we will. For a thousand years. Can I just read you that? Because that's in, in Revelation And it says, Revelation uh, chapter 20. Let me take it back a bit. And I saw an angel, just as an angel, doesn't give him a name or a title. And yet some, some angels in the Bible were given names and titles like the archangel Michael and Gabriel who came with good news. And it says, and I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss. The abyss is not hell. The abyss is just a waiting place. And holding in his hand a great chain, he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. You see, it's not God against Satan or Jesus against Satan, they're at a different level. Satan's a created being, and another created being, just an angel, got hold of Satan and arrested him. Just an angel. Uh, and, and, and so we have always bigged it up. You know, we've made it like it's God against the devil. It looks like the devil's winning. Listen, it's, it's far from the truth, but we, we, I'm, just, I'm just pointing some things out here. He was bound for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. So when Jesus comes back, Satan will be bound for a thousand years, not by Jesus, but by one of Jesus's servants. And he would be thrown into the abyss and locked up. Then he says this, Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. I saw thrones on which were seated, those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image. And had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands. That's the dictator in the Middle East, by the way, the beast. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. And that is those who were not believers. They they come later on. When they're raised to life, that's judgment there. This is the first resurrection. Blessed. And holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death, which is hell. You know, you die physically, naturally. But the second death, which is hell, fire and judgment. It's the second death has no power over them. But they will be priests of God and of his Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Absolutely amazing. But you see, the Jews will be in there. He's not forgotten them even though they rejected him. That's just a good, what shall I say, sign to us all of God's faithfulness. How brilliant. Now then, if you know anything about me, I get things in the wrong order. But the more I've been looking at Revelations, chapter 20 and 21 and 19, I've realised, although I've got these, you know, from a great Bible teacher, they're in the wrong order. He's coming back to complete the saints, to convert the Jews, then he's going to command the world and then the devil's going to be set free and uh, you know for a short time and he will come and inspire the world to rule again to come against uh, Jesus's rule and eventually God Jesus will close them down he'll conquer the devil and then th- th- you know judgment days in it's the end of the world and the birth of the new heaven and the new earth so let me just have a look at this he's coming back To command the world. I've just touched on it from Revelations chapter 20. And he will come. And he's going to bring righteousness. Um, You know people have said to me wouldn't it be boring if the world was just full of love. And everyone did what was right. How boring is that? And I've, I've said this in previous preaches. Think about that. Just think about people working in harmony rather than disharmony. Imagine egos being the mountainous egos being leveled where people are not humbled by somebody else but they humble themselves and they become teachable imagine living with people like that imagine living in a world where even though you've got the money to buy extra food you don't you say well but we can yeah but there's not there's enough to go around but you know in the western world we're all on diets and trying to exercise and in the developing countries hungry and there's no, there's enough to go around so why don't we do something about that when jesus comes back he will and he'll dissolve governments and he'll set up believers in governments and that's why it's good for people to study politics god's looking for honest straight godly politicians he's looking maybe i'm calling you out today because you're going to be ruling like that in the new age, in the new time, the millennium reign. He's, he's looking for people that are going to be honest in finances and good with property. Did you know that? A lot of the Bible is about gaining land, gaining territory, gaining properties. That was God's promise to Israel. You're going to live in houses you never you never built. And so when you start to earth the truths of the Bible, as to what's going to happen. When Jesus comes back, there's going to be righteousness. And, you know, man's sin will be so limited because the devil's not around chirping in everybody's ear. He's going to be held back. And so there will be people with a sinful nature, but there'll be a restraining force on them. And some will say, I'm not going to bow my knee to Jesus. I will not give him my allegiance. That's what they'll say in that millennial reign. And they'll be forced to bow the knee. Because Jesus isn't coming as a babe in a manger. He's coming as he really is, a conquering king. In Revelations 19, he said he came on a white horse. He's not coming on a donkey, proclaiming peace. And everybody putting palm branches down. That was his first coming to let him know the kind of king he is. And he wants peace and he will bring peace. And when he comes a second time, he'll bring peace by force, if need to be. He's the rightful king. We don't know what it is to live in a kingdom. We're used to answering back. Have your say, even in politics now, Brenda from Birmingham. She said, I've got an ingrained toenail and I can't get in to uh, A&E, it's full. <laughs> Who gives us stuff about Brenda in Birmingham? <laughs> Politicians, goodness me, they have lowered the standards so badly, so very, very badly, but a king is going to come back who will make sense, and the people that rule with him and reign with him will have wisdom, and they will make sense, and they'll be of his choice, and God is looking at God in his new kingdom, I'm sure there'll be accountants i'm trying to I'm trying to debunk the airy fairy floating on a cloud, playing a harp type of thing about. When Jesus comes back, because although we're taken up on a cloud, we don't stay there. I believe that that's where we get judged as Christians. And our judgment is not condemning. Our judgment is commended. There is no fear of judgment for us as believers. Judgment day. No, that's past. Jesus took our judgment on the cross and we accepted it unbelievers don't accept it so they have to be judged can you see that's why it's mental to me that people don't believe but sometimes they may look at our lives and just say well if that's Christianity and you know they've got to they've got to grow up as well but but we've got to try all that we can Paul said this he said I become all things to all men so that that they might believe and uh, that's that's what I want to be, that's what I want to train us to be in church, that we become all things to all men, that that some might believe, and um, you've got to be confident to do that, you've got to be strong, you've got to have endurance, it's not for the faint hearted but every Christian's called to it, I believe that, every Christian's called to it, and you say, well, you're a strong person, Dave, you can do it, no, 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 it doesn't work like that, the Spirit of God inside of me is strong, because there's times when I'm weak, There's times when I can't be bothered. There's times when I give up and I need the Spirit of God to remind me, Dave, you're a son of the King. Come on, Dave, you're on mission. Come on, Dave, there's a life to be lived. Come on, Dave, God is with you. Come on, Dave, so many still remain enemies of the cross. Paul talked about that and he says, even with tears, he said, I am reminded that people remain enemies of the cross. And I want to say, not on my watch. I want you to say that too. So Jesus is coming back to rule and to reign with justice. And every decision he makes will be perfect. Abraham got a glimpse of it in Genesis. He said, will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? You can trust Jesus totally. So, you know, when you've got a king, you can't vote him in, you can't vote him out. You're stuck with him. It just so happens that this king is perfect. When he comes back, you'll see his perfection because he's not just a man. He's the God man, 100% God, 100% man. But he's coming back to rule and to reign, to bring peace and order to planet Earth because he's a leader and a leader. He's never left his post and he's been working through his churches down the century and the church has been his method, Um you know, all down the centuries. And, and that's why I'm calling us as a church to, to, come on, give your best for him. Your utmost for his highest, someone has once said. Anyway, he's coming back to complete the saints, to convert the Jews, to command the world. But he's also coming back to conquer the devil. And the devil was created by him. He was one of the top three angels, archangels, Michael, Gabriel and Lucifer. And he was the morning star. And he was, he was the worship leader. In heaven, you know, Michael's the archangel for war, and and uh, Gabriel's the one who brings good news, and those three uh, archangels were were uh, you know part of a, a strong team, and Satan wanted to change one line of the Lord's prayer, not Thy will be done, but My will be done. As much as he got everybody, all the angels to worship God, something entered his heart, and he because he has free will, just like you and me. And he was tempted and he gave in. He was tempted just by watching and seeing, and he gave in. And he felt and he said, I want to be I wanna be the one that's worshipped. And before the thought was complete, he was cast out of heaven. And if you read the book of Revelation, it says his time is short, and he walks around, he goes around the planet in fury, and he wants to unleash it on the sons of men. So He's a nasty piece of work. And in Revelation, it says that he persuaded a third of the angels to go with him. And and so now we're tempted. Those angels became demons. They became evil. When you move away from God and God's perfection, the result is evil. God didn't create evil. It just happens. It's like I have, I've got properties. And, you know, if you don't keep the windows open or don't have ventilation in the bedrooms, do you know what happens? You get green mold. Or in the living room, this green mold comes. It's, it's a consequence of not doing the right thing. yeah. And it's the same Adam and Eve. They became, what well, the Bible knows as, evil. And so, you know, did they go and murder anybody? No, no. But over time, we disintegrate, we move, reduce from what God intended us to be. And within the first generation of Adam and Eve, a brother murdered a brother. And... Uh, You know, the Bible says the hearts of men are uh, inclined to evil, naturally. So, all inspired by the evil one, by the devil. There's so many atrocities on life. You know, man couldn't have even thought of these. They're devilish. They've come, they've been inspired from the pit of hell itself. Jesus is coming back. You know, the devil isn't uh, an issue for God. When God, God uses him as a a servant, even, and... uh, you know, it's just, it's an amazing thing how how God can can take hold of uh, somebody like that. But he's, he's, at the end of the day, was created as God's servant, as we were as human beings. And God uses sinful men and women also. I haven't time to go into all that, except to say that when God wants to rebuke the devil or uh, chastise him, he uses his angels. Um, he doesn't do it. And when Jesus came to earth, the devil was no match for Jesus neither. He cast out evil spirits wherever he went. You know, in the Old Testament, I think we've got about five instances of where Satan manifested himself. Whereas in the New Testament, it's almost on every page. Why? Because light has come. All the Old Testament was like a foreshadowing for the real thing. When the real thing came, Jesus Christ, wherever he walked, he exposed demons wherever they were. They come out speaking out of people's mouths. We know who you are, Jesus, Son of the Most High God. Have you come to judge us before our time? And Jesus would just say, shut up and come out. And it's um, just even the storm on the sea. You know, things happen that are what we would call natural things like a storm. But what's behind the storm? And Satan hides behind things and he uses things. And Jesus, he, he called him out by saying to the storm, uh, stop it, get down. Right. The the Greek word that's used there is come out, stop it. And he shuts him down, stops his power. And it says the, the storm stopped and the waves became still. So I don't know how the enemy attacks you, but I want you to know he, he's still around. And he's, he, he will be around until he's bound for a thousand years. When when Jesus comes back and, you know, we're ruling, reigning with him, it's going to be great. Um there were some challenges within that, that, you know, the enemy, his time is short. He isn't a problem for Jesus, and he's not a problem for God, but he is a problem for us. But even the weakest Christian, you know, we are protected, by right? Because Satan and the demons, they are more They are more intelligent, they are more powerful than we are, they're more versatile, they've got so many more strings to the ball than we have. We are vulnerable outside of Christ, but in Christ, we're safe. We have a protection from Jesus. It's a bit like, um, I used to tell a story when we went out to Africa and we were in the villages. So I'd talk about the protection of Jesus and I'd say that there was this little grasshopper and it's jumping from leaf to leaf. And all of a sudden... The hen comes along and the hen sees it and it's hungry and it's like, mmm, yum, yum, let's have this. So it, it starts to come and it starts to chase the the the, uh, the locusts, whatever it is, I would say, grasshopper, there's the word. So the grasshopper is legging it and it's running like mad and it's looking behind. And I, I, I build up the story so that the, you know, the Africans and the kids and everybody, they're all like, is it going to make it? And it's running like mad and, and the cockerel's going, <laughs> cockerels joining <laughs> and they're, they're trying to get it the hen the cockerel everything they're all after this little grasshopper who's running like mad and he's sweating like mad and he's trying his best to get away he's in danger his life's in danger they're too big they're too clever they're too powerful but he keeps running he keeps running then eventually he sees a coca-cola bottle in the middle of a village in the outbacks of tanzania because coca-cola we all know is international and it'll be there on the new this <laughs> so he runs and he sees this coca-cola bottle and he jumps and he dives in through the neck of the bottle and he's in the bottle and the cockerel and the hen and all the other cockerels and hens come around it and they're pecking and pecking because they can see it but they can't get at it and that's what it's like for you and me we're protected by jesus in this life and you might say oh that's brilliant but it's better than that because protection only saving ourselves you know something god has given us his word and when we speak his word out it's as powerful as if it was jesus himself speaking that word and that's why we speak to sickness and people get healed we're reversing the curse of the devil we're reversing what the enemy has put into people and and so we're speaking things out. we speak peace to troubled minds and there's power in the spoken word god's spoken the the uh, the heavens were created the earth was created god spoke And animals and everybody, everything was created. And, you know, God's promises are voice activated and you speak them out. And all of a sudden your life changes. When you speak it out, when you pray as well, you know, when you, it's not just confession of sins, but confession of truth. That I am the righteousness of God. All of a sudden guilt drops off you. The enemy comes and puts guilt on you. He has no right to. Whether you're guilty or not, he has no right to. He's not the judge. God's the judge. And you can take off that guilt and saying, I'm forgiven, I've took it to Jesus, I've been forgiven. And God is gonna come and deal with the devil, but he'll be locked up for a thousand years. And if I can just jump through very quickly, after a thousand years reign, people will be subject to Jesus on planet earth, whether they want to be or not, they will be. When Jesus, when, 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 uh, when it's time, Satan will be let loose after a thousand years, and he will persuade the nations to rise against Jesus. It'll be the last battle on planet Earth, probably the greatest battle with the most people involved that ever ever has happened on planet Earth. And they will, it'll be in the valley of uh, Megiddo. I think it's called Megiddo. Megiddo, and uh, it, we call it Armageddon. There'll be a It's, it's in that place, and uh, the, the nations will rise against uh, Jesus, and inspired by Satan. And it says that with his word, just one word, fire will fall and completely obliterate the armies. And that'll be the end of them. And then Satan will be slung into hell. He will be thrown in. The dictator in the Middle East, the beast, uh, and the false prophet will have already been thrown into hell prior to that. And, uh, and then that'll be it, as far as Satan's concerned. The, the, the Satan and two human beings will not stand judgment, them three. They'll, they'll pass judgment and go straight to the justice that's theirs. They won't go to a court, they'll just go straight there. They are guilty as. Then Jesus, there will be a judgment day for the whole world. And then everybody that's died will rise again. And that everybody will get new bodies did you know that not just the believers they will get eternal bodies and they will stand before the judgment seat of christ i'm gonna have a look at that next week it's awesome and it's terrible in its scope but there is a way out and that is by believing in jesus from the team here at global church thank you for listening to this podcast please check out our other messages available on the website